Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's find 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight. We're in a series and we're closing tonight on it because I preached this uh, quite a bit over the years. I started, I think, in 2017 or 2018, I can't remember, talking about answered prayer. And uh, we're going to continue talking about it tonight, and this will be it tonight, and we'll, we'll go and move in a different direction. But um, it's important that we uh, know how to have our prayers answered. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all going to have to say amen. I know we, we got a lot of people on vacation and stuff, but I need your help tonight. And if I don't have your help, I'm just going to close the service and uh, go home and eat pizza. Hallelujah. Well, you're going to help me, right? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, what I want to talk about tonight is what do you do after you pray? Now, this is answered prayer. This is number five. That's what we'll title it. But I want to talk about what do you do after you've prayed? You know, there's going to be an after you prayed, right? And so what do you do there? Um, Is anybody besides me prayed (laughs) and then your mind gets attacked? Doubt, discouragement, things come at you. Well, am I the only one? And so, so y'all, that happens to you too sometimes, right? All right. Well, now, the reason I say that is because we need to know what to do with that. We need to not, you know, you don't have to believe everything you think. And that's a good thing to know, you know. Everything you think isn't reality. We'll talk about some of this here in a little bit tonight, maybe. But I want us to, I want us to go here to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 because um, I want to read, I'm going to read maybe if we have time tonight, uh, four passages of Scripture here tonight. Let's go in, sec, first of all, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Isn't that good to know? For the weapons of our warfare. Everybody say, I've got a warfare. Now, how many know the, the, the war, <laughs> the, ba- the battle's been won, the war's, the war's been won, but I like to think of it like this, we're an occupying army. What does that mean? That means that we, uh, we, uh, we, we, we're, we're there after the battle's been won, but we're there to keep the enemy in check, because he, he'll, he'll rise up at times. And so we do have a warfare, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Now, how you know strongholds are something that's strong, right? And it has to be pulled down. Pulled down. You have, to, you have to get the ropes on it and pull it down because it's strong. And you can get strongholds. I grew up with some strongholds, with some limitations when I was, as I was growing up. And as I got to be, even after I was saved... There were still some of those strongholds, some of those limitations, you know, um, you know, of thinking, because that's just the way you grew up, you know. Um, you know, we we grew up. I grew up. I didn't grow up in a wealthy family. Uh, we we weren't poor, I guess, because you know, I mean, we had we we you know, we didn't go buy we, we didn't go buy the new cars. And I grew up that way. My first car was one hundred fifty dollars. Use your imagination what it looked like. And then, 
you know, after that, my next car, I really jumped it up and paid 800 and some dollars for it. It was a Ford. I overpaid. But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. That's a joke. Anyway, um, but, you know, and it really was. It was it was a pain, man. I mean, it it the windshield leaked when it rained. It leaked inside the car. I mean, it had issues, you know, but that's all I had. That's all, you know, that's just the way... You know, we thought that's just was mentality, you know. Um, and then, you know, I went from that to a Chrysler Cordoba. Anybody remember those? Remember the commercials? Ricardo Mont Montalban? How many remember him? And he would talk about the rich Corinthian leather. Remember that? Talking about the Chrysler Cordoba with the rich Corinthian leather. Mine had rich, cheap vinyl. And that car never did run right. It never did. I mean, I had it in the shop. It never would run right. I don't know what was wrong with it. It was cursed. And then I went up a little bit more, you know, and all of that, you know. And then finally, you know, I'm, I remember the day I bought a new car, you know. And, of course, I, you know, I, it didn't have anything on it much, you know. I'm, I'm, it didn't even have air conditioning. But it was new, praise the Lord. It was vinyl. You know, it was a two-door Ford Mustang, you know. And it, it didn't have air conditioning, you know. Because uh, you said, well, that's, that was, man, that, that must have been back in the 30s, Pastor, when you bought that car. No, it really wasn't, you know. And, and so, you know, I mean, that, you, but, but the limitations were there. You know, you just didn't think, you know, God could. I mean, you knew God could, but you, didn't, you just didn't see yourself ever coming up or prospering or having much in life, you know. I mean, you thought well, you'll get by and God will take care. But that, those are strongholds. I said they're strongholds. And you have to pull them down because, uh, and I'm not just talking about natural things, but sometimes we learn from natural things, you know. And so, you know, and, and so, you know, and even for years after that, I was saved for years, renewing my mind, and I would always, you know, I, I, I wouldn't spend the, the $3,000 extra for the leather and all the other. Not that you have to have leather. That doesn't, I, don't misunderstand me, but I, I liked it. You understand what I'm saying? You may not even care for it. I got friends that don't care for it. They don't want it in their vehicle. That, that's fine. But I liked it. I liked it. And I liked the, some of the amenities, you know. And so, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't pay that for that, you know. What? Strongholds. And I had to renew my mind to realize that God can meet my need according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. And, you know, I mean, I don't have to have leather, but if I want leather, I can believe for leather. And so now I have leather. I have arrived. I don't need to renew my mind any longer. No, how me you know, <laughs> how me understand what I'm talking about. You can have strongholds in your mind and think, man, you know, I could never have. Well, how me know if it's in the earth, God can get it to you. Right? And how me know he's no respecter of persons. He loves everybody the same. And he wants to bless people. Amen. And, but, you know, but I tell you what, you know, the thing that we need to know is this. It's really not up to God as much as it is up to us. We got to make sure we don't, we pull down strongholds. We don't, we don't have this limited mind thinking, you know, amen. You know, I, I, I had a minister, a pastor one time, you know, 
and uh, they told me because they wanted to have uh, uh, you know Jerry Savelle in their church, and so they called Brother Jerry to come. They're just a sweet, this person's sweet, 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 sweet person of God, you know, and uh, they called. Pat, Brother Jerry to come to their church, and he said, "Yes, I'd love to come." And they put him. They said, "I need to put you through to the crusade department that sets up my meetings." And when they found out how much it cost, it's like, "Oh my gosh, uh, sorry, I can't have you." They had me instead. This pastor said, "You're my Jerry Savelle and Kenneth Copeland." Yeah, I'm your low budget preacher. In, in those days, I could get to their church on $5. I couldn't now, but I, I could in those days. That gas was a lot cheaper back in those days. But I remember this pastor telling me, you're, you're my Jerry Savelle and my Kenneth Copeland. I'm, I'm the low-budget preacher. But how me know God can do anything for you if you pull down those strongholds? There was a man one time in the Bible. He was, his, uh, his name was Jay Iris. How many remember him? And he came to Jesus. Remember him coming to Jesus? And, uh, you know, let, I'm, I'm going to just, just read you just a little bit of that. Keep yourself placed there in Corinthians because we're, we're not done reading that yet. But J. Iris said to Jesus, um, he said to him, he fell down and he asked him to come to his house where he had one daughter, 12 years old, and she lay a dying, the Bible says. And the Bible says, you know, Jesus went towards his house and on the way the woman with the issue of blood came and she stopped Jesus and that took up some time and all of that after she was healed she gave the Bible says she told him the whole story and so no telling how long that took to tell the whole story and then uh, after she was done telling the story someone came from Jairus' house and said don't bother the master any longer your daughter is dead how many know you're going to have to deal with some, some, some thoughts when you hear that kind of news? And Jesus immediately said, be not afraid, fear not, believe only, and your daughter shall be made whole. Keep your thoughts right, Jairus. Don't think it's over because with God it's never over. You've already asked me to come to your house and heal your daughter. Don't let go of your prayer because of unbelieving thoughts. It's amazing when Job went through his trouble. You know, the devil, now listen, the devil, uh, you know, he's pretty tricky sometimes. But every time something happened to Job, somebody lived through it. Did you ever notice that? The house fell, killed everybody, things happened, everybody died, but somebody escaped. There's always somebody the devil will let escape to bring you the bad news. Remember he came to Job and said, I, they're all dead. I alone am alive and brings him the bad. The devil lets somebody come to you with bad news because he wants to get doubt in your mind. But once you've prayed, how many know you got to settle it? That's what Jesus was telling Jairus. Settle it in your heart, Jairus. You already asked me to come and heal your daughter. You've already asked. Don't let bad news now put doubt in your mind. Don't let your prayer get stolen. Hallelujah. And so sometimes there's strongholds. We got to pull them down. I said, we got to pull them down. Amen. Amen. And you know, we all come in progressions, right? We all, we all come at different levels. We, we start out one place and we just keep, we just keep growing if we will. Amen. And so there's things that maybe were strongholds last year that, there may be not strongholds in your life now. You've got to pull them down. 
Well, listen to this. He went on to say, verse uh, five, casting down imaginations. Now, you know, uh, you know, the devil will bring images to your mind, won't he? Of failure, of how bad it's going to be. And you need to cast that down. One translation says arguments. He'll, he'll, he'll bring arguments. That word imaginations is really a word that means computations. Computations like calculations. Calculating why this won't come to pass. How many know you need to calculate why it will come to pass? And the reason it will come to pass is because somebody's on your side. Somebody has the ability to bring it to pass in your life. Remember what Paul said? He said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Increase is up to God. Planning's up to you. Watering's up to you and me. But increase is up to God. All we got to do is plant seed. All we got to do is water. If we do that, we give God something to increase. Amen. And so he went on to say, notice this, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against, what is it? The knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How many know you got to rest some thoughts sometimes? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. you got to pull them over. They don't, they don't belong running loose in society, right? All right, so, so we have to understand that there's going to be, we, we, have to, we have to understand that things that we think on, things that we allow to stay in our mind, it has to pass the word test. After we prayed, the devil's going to come against your mind. He's going to try to put doubts in there, unbelief in there. And you've got, to, you've got to make sure that everything that you're allowing to stay in your mind, it has to pass the word test. Now, you can't keep wrong thoughts from coming. How many know that? But you, you, don't have to, you don't have to allow them to stay. Amen? There's thoughts that come through different ways. But, but only the thoughts that you want, amen, are allowed to stay. Amen? You've got to cast them down, praise God. You got to bring them into captivity. You got to do just exactly what the Bible said. Paul said, part of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. That's the knowledge of your redemption. I mean, when you get in trouble, you need to know what your redemption is. I've told you this story before, but it really marked my thinking. I went to pray for a lady, well, probably in her 50s, I'm going to say, uh, and she was in one of the hospitals here in, in the area. And she was, she was actually, she had cancer, and actually she was dying of cancer. Okay, so I'm going in there to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, you could pray a lot of different ways, but I'm going in there to pray for her to be healed. You know, you could go in and pray, God, comfort her, make her last days great, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not why I came. I said, that's not why I came. I mean, I came there, I, I showed up to pray for her to get delivered. When I walked in her room, on her little table there by her bed, I saw a book about heaven. And I thought, we are in trouble. We're in trouble. And here's why we're in trouble, because this lady knows she's dying, she knows she has cancer, and she's reading about heaven. How many know if you think you've only got a few days left and you start reading about heaven, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to go to heaven. Why? Because it's better than Evansville. And so you're, you're going to want to go to heaven. And so I thought, this is a problem here because this lady's not reading about healing. She's reading about heaven. And she's going to want to go to heaven. Now, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to heaven. 
but she was just in her 50s. She had kids. She had grandkids. How many know they, they need their grandma? They need their mom, right? They need, to, they need her to stay around a little longer, not go to heaven. Amen. And she went to heaven, which I knew she was going to go to heaven. Once I saw that book, I thought, well, she's going to heaven because she's reading about heaven. She's thinking about heaven. She knows she's only got a few days, in the natural, only got a few days left. She should have been reading about healing. I mean, you've got to put the knowledge, you got to put on what Paul called the helmet of salvation. Right. And her, the salvation she needed right now was healing. Yeah, right. See, there's different areas of our salvation. Right now, she, went, she didn't need finances. She needed healing. Yeah. If, you need to, if you need finances, how I many you need to put on the helmet of salvation about finances? And so that's, 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 that's one of the things that we have to watch, that when we pray, we're not thinking. You know what I'm saying? We're not thinking about what if it doesn't come to pass. We're thinking about what we're going to do when it does come to pass. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people think about, well, you know, if it doesn't come to pass, then I'll do this and I'll do that. How many know? No, you need to be thinking about, what you're going to do when it does come to pass. You need to see yourself with the, your deliverance. Amen. Because yeah. according to your faith, that's the way it's going to be. And so, you know, you know, you, you know if you're believing for healing and you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you know, sometimes people research too much. You know what I'm saying? They know everything about their disease. And they need to know how many, how many know, they need to know more about God's word. Right? I, I used to have this, and I've, I've talked about this before, but I used to have this uh, uh, satellite thing, Phyllis and I do, and it was a Christian satellite, and it was a good thing. It, it was a bunch of ministry preaching on there and so forth. But one day it hit me. I'm, I'm flipping through these channels. They're all preaching. It's all Christian. It's all good stuff. And every show I'm coming across is about vitamins and about, you know, minerals, all, uh, nothing, there's nothing wrong with those things, uh, but it's all about what you do in the natural to keep yourself healthy. And I thought, where is 1 Peter 2.24? Amen. Because some of this stuff is not going to fix some problems. Uh, look, th listen now, listen now. This isn't a knock against it. It's just don't put your confidence in that. Because I've seen people do all the right things naturally and die. When 1 Peter 2.24 will stop everything. Now, that doesn't mean you can do dumb things, right? I mean, if, if America needs anything, it needs common sense. So does the church. you got to use some common sense. You can't, you can't just abuse your body. But at the same time, I put more faith in 1 Peter 2.24 than I do what I put in my body. Help me preach somebody. If you don't get this right, how many know you, you'll end up getting something. You could, you could end up getting something, and all your natural stuff's not going to fix it. But First Peter 2.24, that'll fix anything. I've seen it. Amen. Isn't that something? See, so, so, so here's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we're not, we're not planning for failure. We're planning, we're planning for our prayer to be answered. We're not thinking about what I'm going to do if it doesn't happen. How about thinking about what you're going to do when it does happen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Start rejoicing. Amen. See, we're, we're, the Bible tells us, this is in Chronicles, it says, be, be ever mindful of his covenant. 
Always have with the covenant on your mind. Let that be on your mind, not failure. Are you listening now? See, listen, uh, the scriptures tell that we won't look at this scripture, but most, uh, most of you probably know Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. How many remember that yeah. scripture? That's in Hebrews 4. Uh, it talks about that the word divides between the soul and the spirit. See, there's two lives going on inside of you. There's the soul life, there's the spirit life. Now your soul tells you what you think and what you feel. Your spirit, born again spirit, tells you what God thinks and what he feels. And so if you don't, you got to, and, and it's the word divides that so that you know the difference. Amen. See, how many know, if something doesn't line up with the word, I know that's not a, that's not a God thought. Right. And so you have to, you have to, you have to let the word be the divider and let the word divide between your soul and your spirit. You know, and not because, you know, inside of us, we could feel like it's not, not going to come to pass. You could have those thoughts, but having that's just your soul. That's not your spirit. Your spirit, man's in, your spirit man will agree with the word because he's born again. Amen. And so God gave us his word so we could check our thinking. How many of this book checks your thinking, right? You know, have you ever put, you know, put something together and it didn't work? I have. And then I'll go back and get the, the, the manual, the book. Amen. I don't like to do it. I like to just look. I want, I want the picture of it, and I'll look at the picture, and I don't want to read the man. But, but I'll tell you what, there's times I have to go back, and I'll, I'll say, well, okay, I didn't do that. That's why it doesn't work. Amen. God gave us a manual, right? You know, when you're learning to fly, one of the things they tell you is ignore what we say if it's different than the manufacturer's handbook. Ignore what we said. Go with what the... That manufact of the plane, that that plane, particular plane, you're learning to fly in. Go by the manufacturer's handbook on the plane. If it if we say something doesn't line up with that, pay no attention to us. Follow that because it's right. Have you know if life says something different in this book, pay no attention to it. This is right. This is the manufacturer's handbook, and what it says is the is right. And pay no attention to the other. Amen. But the devil will magnify the other, and that's why you got to guard your mind. After you prayed, it's, it's not just enough just to pray. You got, you got, sometimes you're going to have some battles after you pray. You're going to have to fight, amen? See, people stay immature because they, they don't run their thoughts or pass them through the Word. And you stay immature when you do that. you got to pass it through the Word. All right, go to Philippians. Come on, you get anything tonight? All right, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, let's, let's go, uh, I tell you what, let's just begin uh, reading at verse 6. Uh, have you got that, Philippians 4? Verse 6 says, uh, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, how many things? Everything. By prayer and supplication, with, with thanksgiving. We talked about that last week. You've got to add thanksgiving to your prayer. Let your request or your wants be made known unto the pastor. Well, how many know it says to God, right? Because He's the only one that can fulfill every request. And if you come to me and say, Pastor, I need $100, I can fulfill that request. Right? Well, you don't know whether I can or not, but I can, all right? 
Or you come and you say, Pastor, I need $1,000. I can fulfill that request. You come to me and you say, Pastor, I need $100,000. Talk to God. (laughs) He's the best friend you have right now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. All right, so help me understand. <laughs> we, uh, the, you, you know, that's what the Bible says here. A lot, a lot of times we look in the natural. We look for help. We look for maybe this person can help me or that person can help me. or this one. How, You know, there is somebody who can help you, and it's God. Yeah. Let your request be made no, not under your, not under some other believer, right. under God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. No faith prayers. I mean, you know what I mean by faith prayers, phony faith prayers. You know, like, when you know somebody says, oh, God, you know I need a new refrigerator. You know I'm believing you for a new refrigerator. And all you're doing is dropping faith hints. How many know we need to go to God, right? Yes. Amen? Yes. And, and that's what Paul, how I many know this is the Bible, right? Yes. Let your request be known to God, and God will say no, forget it. How I many know it doesn't say that, right? And God will say, well, you know, if, you're, if you just suffer a little bit, I'll give it to you. How I many doesn't say that? It says, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now notice, he's not done. He told us to pray, but then he said, finally, brethren, whatever. See, he starts to tell us what to think about, doesn't he? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Well, how many know this book is true? This is the truth. There may be facts in your life, but this is the truth right here. Whatsoever things are honest or noble, some translations say, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are, everybody look at this, good report, not bad report. If there be any virtue or power, think, and if there be any praise, think on these things. What's Paul telling us? After you prayed, you better get your prayer. You better get your, you better get your mind right. You better think right thoughts. You better control what you allow yourself to think on on a daily basis. You say, well, Pastor, I only think good thoughts at church. Well, you don't live at church. You live out there. That's where it, that's where it matters. It's easier to think good thoughts. We can talk bold in the house of God. But how many know we got to talk bold outside the house of God? Right? That's where life is at, right? You know what I mean by that, our everyday living. Now, those, verse 9, he said, Those things which you've both, heard, both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. What's Paul saying? You've seen me do this. I'm not telling you something I haven't done. You've seen me to do the same thing, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, how many know the, that word peace, it, you know, like the, the Hebrew is shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, completeness. Praise God. Right. Amen. Right. But it's interesting that Paul said we have to watch what we think on, right? Yes. See, the Bible talks about it. Matter of fact, why don't you go over to Deuteronomy chapter 29, or excuse me, chapter 22. Go there. I want to show you this because this is... This is a type we can learn something from. So what you, listen now, what you think after you've prayed is of utmost importance. Don't let the devil drag you over into doubt. Because he will try to drag you over into doubt after you've prayed. He will. He, he's a master at 
suggestions, negative thoughts, telling you why it won't come to pass. Don't value. Listen now, listen to this. I don't mean this disrespectful, but don't value the doctor's word over God's word. Amen. Respect the doctor. You know, I've seen Christians joke like crazy with this, and the doctor gives them bad news. I, I don't accept, I don't accept. Well, it is the fact. That's what you have. Right? You're approaching this all wrong. Denying things don't make things go away. Pardon my English. Well, maybe it wasn't so bad. Anyway, but, but yeah, how many of you follow what I'm saying? Denying things. I've seen Christians do this, and they'll get mad at the doctor because he gave them a bad report. What did you even go for? You went to find out what was wrong with you, right? He told you what was wrong with you, all right? Now, he may tell you, we can't do anything for you. Don't value that over more than God, God said. Don't rebuke him. He's just telling you what, in the natural, we can't do anything for you. Well, thank God. Well, thank you, doctor. But, but I, I, got a, I got somebody else working on the case, Jehovah Rapha. Amen. And if you can't do anything for me, I'm, I know he can. Amen. Hallelujah. It's just like when Dr. Barkley took Miss Vicki back in 2008. And they diagnosed her with cancer. And the doctor told Dr. Barkley, he said, he said, he said Reverend, this is a aggressive, fast-growing cancer. It kills most women. I don't know if we can do anything for her. Dr. Barkley did not rebuke him. He just said, well, Doc, you do what you do. We'll do what we do. Hallelujah. So the doc did what he did. God did what he did. And now here it is, 2023, and Miss Vicky's been free of cancer since then. Amen. 30 days later, she was free of cancer. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, what happened? Well, actually, God did what he could do. The doctor did everything he could do, you know, but he couldn't do much. But God could do something. Amen. Glory be to God. But how I many you know you got, you got to fight the mind, the mind battle? Amen? Because after you prayed, I mean, the devil's going to say, you heard what the doctor said. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Most people die with this cancer. How I many know he'll tell you those kind of things, you know? Right? Well, we ain't most people, devil. We redeem people. Hallelujah. And like Brother Hagin said, he was looking for a preacher to, when he was, you know, 15 years old on a deathbed dying. He was looking for a preacher to come and tell him. What, you know, that Mark eleven twenty three 23 meant what it said, 23 and 24. He tried to get a preacher to come over. You know, and the one that did come over just came over and said, Be patient, my boy, in a little while it'll all be over. Amen. Well, he was 15 years old. He lived to 86 or 87, so he, it wasn't a few days and it was all over with. But it wasn't that preacher's help. It was the Word of God. Hallelujah. I always liked what he said, you know, when he was born. The, you know, the doctor threw a little pa package of, uh, of uh, formula at his grandmother and said, here, this will outlast him. When he was in his 80s, he said, I outlasted it. Praise God. But it wasn't because of the doctor. The doctor did everything he could do. He couldn't do anything. It's because of God. That's why we can pull down those strongholds. That's why we can bring into captivity every thought. Because we've got somebody working for us that's undefeatable, never lost a battle. Amen. If there's any failure, it's always on our part, isn't it? That's not a condemnation thing. That's just, let's don't blame it on God. 
All the failures I've had, God didn't cause them. They were all me. <laughs> and I've got them, and everybody else does too. Now look at this in Deuteronomy 22, verse 9. Uh, the Lord's just an instruction in the natural, but it's got a spiritual meaning. Verse number 9 of Deuteronomy 22, You shall not sow your vineyard with diverse or different seeds, lest the fruit of your seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. How many know we need to keep the seed pure in our life? What does that mean? When you sow the seed of the Word, don't go in sowing doubts. Amen? Don't go about sowing doubt in your life. Don't allow doubt to remain in your life. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you can keep doubt thoughts from coming at you. You can't do that, but you can deal with them when they come and say, No, I'm not meditating on you. I'm not going to let you control my tongue. Are you listening now? I'm going to let you control my tongue, and I'm not going to let you control my actions. I'm going to let the Word of God control my tongue. I'm going to let the Word of God control my actions. That's really simple when you think about it. If you get your thoughts right, you get your words right, and you get your deeds right, you are going to live in some high victory. And you've got to let the Word of God control. I'm not going to sit around and meditate and plan my funeral. I'm not going to sit around and meditate and plan my failure financially. I'm not going to sit around and plan my failure. I'm going to sit around and plan my success. And I'm going to talk my success. And I'm going to act like I'm a success because of what the Word says. Hallelujah. Amen. A guy said, you know, you know, we never know what God's doing in the background. How many know that? That guy said, I uh, can't remember who it was now. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but he said, you know, I was having a crusade in this, uh, I, it, it might have been a city in Ohio. And uh, it was wintertime, you know. And how many know, you go south in the winter for crusades. You go north in the summer, Right? Because you, you have a crusade in Ohio in the wintertime, guess what? You, you, you might get snowed out. But he, said, he said, I had this, and he said, it, it snowed like crazy. And he said, I rented this auditorium, and he said, nobody, zero, nobody showed up, nobody. That's not a big crowd. I mean, who are you going to take an offering up, off of yourself? He said, but, you know, he said, now listen, now this is victory thinking. He said, I'm not going to let that defeat me. I came here to the city to preach. I'm going to preach. He got up and preached to, he thought, nobody. He, so he went his way, and he said, he said, you know, I was in a meeting preaching somewhere else, um, I don't know, sometime later, and he said, this guy came up to me, and he said, do you remember the meeting you had in this town, that auditorium, and, and nobody came? He said, oh, yeah. He said, how did you know about it? He said, because I was there. He said, I didn't see you. He said, I was the janitor. He said, I heard your message and got saved, gave my life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But this guy had some victory thinking in his mind. I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm, I came here to preach. I'm going to preach. Hallelujah. See, sometimes you don't think anything's happening, but you don't see everything either. And he didn't know that this janitor was in this room. He didn't know, or in this auditorium. He didn't know he was there. But he was there, and he heard the message, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. It's a good thing he went ahead and preached. Amen. So we can't be what the Bible calls double-minded after we pray. We can't have, we can't, with double-minded means you allow yourself to think two different things about it, two different thoughts on it. Like maybe it might, maybe it won't. How many know it has to be, it, 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 it is. Amen. Let's go to one last scripture. Uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Go there, Hebrews chapter 12. Just doing a little teaching tonight. I hope you're getting something out of this because... You know, God wants to answer prayer, but we got to have the right ingredients, right? You, you got to put the right, if you're going to make a cake, I mean, I don't know what you got to have to make a cake. We just, we buy the box stuff, you know. But you know, Grandma probably used to make them from scratch, so you probably use a little flour, right? Lots of sugar, right? Butter, milk, uh, cocoa, I don't know, whatever. You know, you put in there and make your cake, right? You got to have all the right ingredients, Amen. And so, you know, I mean, they make stuff today, you know, and they make stuff that uh, uh, today tastes like cardboard. <laughs> and I've learned this about the health, the health thing. If it, if it has any taste to it, it's probably not good for you. You know, it's like I've eaten stuff before, and I said, you know, Dr. So-and-so would tell me to throw the stuff away and eat the box, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, but have me know you put the right things in there. We're having some fun with you. Come on. You put the right things in there, have me know it. It, it produces good results. Prayer is the same way. You have the right things. See what we talk about? We talk about you have to have the right lifestyle. Because you don't live the lifestyle, your heart condemns you, and you won't have confidence before God. See? We talked about how you had to uh, base your prayers on the Word. We talked about how you had to have faith, right? The Bible talks about thanksgiving. You have to have thanksgiving. But tonight, I'm just talking to you about you got to do something after you pray with your mind because the devil will attack your mind, won't he? Right? Remember that? Remember when? Remember when the, in the book of Daniel, when Daniel prayed, you know, and the Bible said, uh, two uh, was it three weeks? Three weeks, twenty-one days later, the angel showed up, and he said, "I was sent the first day you prayed." Didn't he say that? He said, "But I I ran into some opposition." Well, see, God answered, sent the answer the first day. But sometimes things hold things up. And the good Daniel didn't give up. That angel said, I was sent. But, but, you know, I had some issues. I had some opposition from the prince of Persia. And Michael came to help me. And I'm here now with the answer. It's been 21 days, but here I am. Amen. So sometimes things take a little time. Amen. And here's what we got to watch. Let's go to Hebrews 12, 3. We're closing right here. Hebrews 12, verse 3. The Bible says, for consider him. How many know you need to consider Jesus? Lord, how many know he's been through everything you've been through plus, right? And he, he, was, he, he was victorious. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied, the King James says, and faint in your minds. Now, some translations say discouraged in your souls. The best translation for this is leave the word faint in there, and you can say faint in your souls, because the word for mine here is the word for your soul. It's for your soul, which is more than just your mind. See, your soul consists of your mind and your will and your emotions. 
How do you know? If you faint in any of those areas, you're, you're, the devil's going to steal your prayer. If you allow wrong thoughts to get a hold of your mind, the devil's going to steal your prayer. But, it, but if he, but, but if your, your mind, but how do you know? If your will gets affected, you'll give up. And your emotions, how do you know? You know, we don't live by emotions, but man, emotions can can mess you up if you don't get a hold of them, right? So you've got to you've got to you've got to keep you've got to keep your mind. You you can't feign in your mind. That's where the devil's going to attack. At. He's going to attack in your mind. He's going to attack in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He's going to attack there and try to get you to give up. I see this all the time. Listen now, I'm an expert at this. I've been doing this a long, a long time. I've seen this. I mean, when I say expert, I mean, what I mean by that is I've just seen enough of it to learn that people will stay with something as long as they're excited about it. They lose their excitement, they stop. You know, it's like I've told you the story Brother Hagin told years and years ago when he was teaching on authority. He said, you know, when I was pastoring a church, he said, we had, listen to some of the services they had back in those days. They had... Uh, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, Friday night service. That four service. That'd kill the saints today. <laughs> anyway, uh, he said, we started having these special services. Uh, we called them deliverance services. He said, and people were excited about it. And they came for three months, and then the novelty of that wore off. And they quit coming. They quit coming. And he said, so I changed the name of them to get, get free services. He said, so everybody came to get delivered, now come to get free because we changed the name of the services and their emotions are, you know, stirred up again. He said, after about three months, that wore off. He said, so I called them getting loose services. <laughs> he said, now, I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. I was really sincerely wanting to help the people. He said, but after three months, the novelty of that wore off. And he said, one day I was just thinking about it. He said, it dawned on me. You know, I live with these people. I pastor these people. If they're any more delivered, if they're any more loosed, if they're any more free, I can't tell it. So he said, I fasted for three days and went to God. And he said, on the third day, the Lord spoke to me. He said, the problem, son, is you're trying to do for my people what only my word can do for my people. You're trying to have, because he said, we had every kind of manifestation you can think of and some you shouldn't think of. Now, I've been around old Pentecostal, and I just learned this from old Pentecostal. I don't practice it, but I learned it. If you say something loud enough with enough vim, vigor, and vitality, everybody will believe it. It can be a lie, but they'll believe it because of the way you said it. Now, I don't, I'm not that way. I've matured beyond that. And I hope that you have too. I, you know, they, they, you know, I, just because somebody's excited about what they're saying doesn't mean that what they're saying is right. It might be. But see, people are emotional. And we have to learn that we can't let our emotions dictate to us whether God answered our prayer or not. Whether we feel like it or we didn't feel like it. I have prayed for people and I'm telling you, I felt the anointing. I felt the presence of God. I felt it. And they didn't get a thing. Not a thing. Nothing changed. And I have prayed for people and I thought, man, that was dry. That was dead. And they got delivered. So I learned. Can't pay attention to that. Can't pay attention to that. Amen. But people have to grow beyond that. I mean, we got to grow up beyond that, right? We can't, we, we can't, because people make emotional decisions. You know what I'm saying? 
They make decisions based on their emotions. If they feel good about it, well, and they make, they make a decision on that. You know, that's why, listen, let me just say this. this is, they're not in here, so I'm, I'm going to say it to your parents. Don't just think because your child's 18, they know everything and know how to direct their life. You need to help them. If your child comes home and says, I'm going to college and I'm studying on typewriter repair, you need to step in because they're going to be stuck in your basement the rest of their life. Because the only business you're going to get is from Miss Phyllis every 10 or 15 years. She's still got a typewriter. That's it. You know what I'm saying? I hear this from, I mean, I get around. I hear, I hear this where young kids come up and they're taking these classes. They're going to college for it. And I'm thinking, what are they going to do with it? They're going to go get a job at Walmart with it. That's what they're going to do. You're going to spend $1,000 for four years so they can get a job at Walmart. They could have got the job at Walmart to start with. And you had to spend all that money. You have to step in and give directions until they get a brain. I didn't have a brain at 18. My first day of college, I skipped class. The first day. I didn't have a brain. I look back and think, how stupid can you be? You're paying for this. And you skipped college. You know, the first day, you skip, I skipped literature class and went and smoked dope. I got back to class and the teacher said, you miss one more time and you fail. Excused or unexcused. You know, they weren't very happy about me missing the first day of class. So how many know you, you know, I was, I was probably 19. How many know you still don't have a brain at 19? Some do, but most, most don't. They still need, how many they still need help? <laughs> it says nothing to do with tonight's message, but it's good preaching anyway. Because I see parents do this. I'm like, well, they're 18. They can make up their own mind. No, they can't. Not yet. Not necessarily. I mean, yeah, you give them more freedom. I understand that. I understand. But some, they need a little direction, a little guidance, a little kick in the pants sometimes. Amen. Certain things. I don't know what you. I don't know what you're going to do with it. What are you going to do with it? What do you major in? Ancient Greek art. Oh, that's going to get you a big job in Evansville. They're just all over. They're wanting people that are graduated from ancient Greek art. You, you just can't. You've got to have some common sense. All right. Since you're looking at me like that, I'm not closing. I'll deal with this. I've heard, just follow your passion. Not if your passion's stupid. Some people have stupid passions. I hear that. Just follow your passion. That'll make you success. Not if it's stupid. Stupid passion produces stupid people with stupid money, which is brokeville. Don't do that. You gotta, you gotta have some common sense too. Amen. I mean, there's things I'm passionate about, but I'm not gonna try to make it my life's work. It's not gonna do anything. Amen. I'm passionate about pizza, but they don't pay you to eat it. They charge you. So you have to, is that a good preaching or what? You have to, you have to learn. You have to learn these things. As parents, you can't just think that they got it all figured out because they're 18. And all of a sudden, there's no rules. There's no boundaries. There's no guidelines. No, they're still living in a house. There's house rules. I don't care. If you're 45, there's house rules. Lester Summer, I'll tell you, sons, if you, if you sass your mother, I don't care if you're 40 years old, I'm coming over to your house, I'm going to beat you. 
And if you knew Dr. Summerall, he'd have done it too. Anyway, so we just, we just got to, after we pray, it's not over with it. We, we, have to, we, have to, we have to make sure that we understand sometimes there's a warfare, a warfare against your mind. Devil tries to put doubts in there to get you to give up and to steal your prayer away from you. Don't let him do it. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.